You're listening live to Right Side Radio with Phil Williams. It's hard to go wrong when you're on the right side. Right Side Radio. Solid, conservative, and just plain right. 770 AM, 92.5 FM, News Talk, WVNN, News Talk, Giant of North Alabama. Hey, listen, this is Phil Williams. I'm your host, and like the man said, we are solid, conservative, and just plain right. And Right Side Radio is with you 2 to 5 every day. But we got other folks out there that do good things. So at this particular moment, we are going to do what I call assembling the Grand Council. All right, so I'm going to bring on two guys who y'all are familiar with, uh, two uh, gods of talk radio here in Alabama. Uh, Dale Jackson, host of the morning show here on WVNN, program director at the station. Uh, he, he does multiple things to include TV. And then uh, our friend Jeff Poor, who used to be with WVNN now on FM Talk 1065 down on the coast. Dale and Jeff, how are you, my brethren? Excellent. Glad of it. Ooh, Jeff, well. you there? Hey, there you are. Fellas, I don't know what else to call this. I'm calling it the Grand Council. Uh, how, how do you feel? Do you feel like, like you're a Grand Council? I, I like it. If we do this much, we we'll have to have a sound effect or some kind of horns blowing or minstrel singing or something. I don't know how we're going to handle it. <laughs> so so here's, here's the format. Uh, we did this kind of on a fluke. Uh, about, uh, what, two or three weeks ago, guys, we had, we had some comms go down and then Dale, you know, rushed in and, 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 you know, sirens and lights flashing and, and saved the day and just kind of on a, on a whim got Jeff and I on the phone and we had, you know, the three of us just kind of going at it, asking questions back and forth. And it, it wound up being a really good segment. So the goal here is uh, on right side, we're gonna we're gonna try and do this where we're just literally we're gonna ping each other with questions and see what happens. And so I'm just gonna I'm gonna throw out here's my first one. I'm just gonna go with one, and 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 you know, tell you what, Jeff, you respond first, and then we'll let let Dale uh, opine. But here's my question number one: U.S. Senate race. We now have Jessica Taylor, Linda Blanchard, Katie Britt, Mo Brooks. We got four in the race. We don't know. There could be more coming. Do you think having four in the race at this point means that we will have a runoff, or will somebody prevail just in the original uh, primary of the race? Well, well, typically when you have a crowded field, and you could go back and look at the way elections have played out, you do wind up with a runoff. I, I think the best example, most recently probably, is that AL2 race, uh, not last cycle, but well, the last cycle as well, but the cycle before that, Martha Roby, I would have thought it was the prohibitive favorite, and it was just such a crowded cycle, she winds up in a uh, a runoff with Bobby Bright. But but you see this in these congressional districts, and I, I think it would be applicable to a statewide election with so many people in the field. The one exception, obviously, this last gubernatorial election. But, but what, what happens in Alabama? Alabama's so tribal that um, a candidate gets in and maybe they win their hometown and they take votes away from the prohibitive favorite. In this case, it's Mo Brooks. So Jessica Taylor's in, maybe being of uh, Otaga County, uh, people that might have gone for Mo Brooks initially will go for her. And then you see how that does, and that gets you to that, that magic number of uh, plus or minus 50%. All right, that's, that's fair. That's good analysis. Dale, what you thinking, man? Still Mo Brooks. Versus not Mo Brooks. And as long as that's the conversation, uh, I think we're still going to be dealing with this in exactly the same way. Well, I, I, yeah, I no think that's reasonable. Problem. Right now, he's still the lion's share of the, of the vote, I think. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Well, yeah, and, and good answer. And, and, you know, one thing that has struck me, too, in this particular thing is I think uh, had Katie Britt not gotten in the race, I think Jessica Taylor could steal the youth vote. Uh, I think, you know, she's been, you know, out there sort of doing things with the young Republicans and all that. I think Katie Britt has, has, has stolen that uh, potential uh, and that literally it's going to be Katie Britt and somewhat of Jessica Taylor fighting it out for what I would call the younger demographic within the Republican vote. But I do think at this point, Mo Brooks is still, you know, carrying the day. And, and all he's got to do is not have strange pictures of him show up somewhere. And uh, and he's probably going to wind up taking it all the way. Well, well but, I, but I tell you what, Senator, I, I think this, that if you, if you, uh, if you could get Mo Brooks right now, you want to get into the playoff game, right? We have the, the the champions already been declared for the division, so now you're playing for second place for that wild card spot. If you just make it into the playoffs, then you have a 30 day sprint to a runoff, and that I think makes it a little bit more of a contest. You got maybe a little bit of higher, not much, but a higher percentage chance of stealing one away. So that's really, if I'm Katie Britt, I think the more the barrier probably. Well, I don't, I don't doubt that. And I think, too, that truthfully that's where Katie's strength going to be. She's a strong candidate regardless. But, but if she can get in the runoff with Mo, then you know the money's going to be dumped in in her favor right now because it would appear that she is the establishment candidate to, to some degree. Yeah, I agree with all of that. But, you know, I look at this and I think you're right when you say that it's Jessica Taylor and Katie Britt, they're sort of going after the same people. One of them's going to have a ton of money. The other's going to get on Fox News a lot. And that's basically what's going to happen. But they're both going for the same thing. And I just don't see it as any, either of them going to break out, especially you know, out of that race. They'll break it. There'll be a breakout. It'll be Britt. I think it's a two-person race, really. And the others are just playing spoiler. Maybe they attack Mo for I don't know. And that, that's the thing to watch is do they all go after the one guy at the top? And that's what usually happens in, in primary races. All right, Jeff, you're up, brother. What question have you got for the Grand Council? So uh, I had State Senator Jim McClendon on my radio show yesterday. And uh, even before the low vaccination rates, he, he made this point that our public health infrastructure in Alabama is much to be desired. And he pointed to the uh, the vaccine rollout just having problems there and uh, bumps in the road. He's pointed to the way the pandemic was handled by that uh, part of state government. Now I know we've had these discussions in the past, Senator, about you know the need to decentralize all the executive authority given there to the to the public health officials, but he thinks because we are doing so abysmally poor in vaccines and vaccination rates, this just further shows that we just need to start from scratch and reorganize our state health bureaucracy. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll jump on that one first. I wrote a piece uh, for the Alabama Policy Institute uh, about four or five, six months ago. And, and, and the, I think the title of it was, Is There a Plan for COVID in Alabama? We Don't See One. And, and I have a friend who I'm going to get on this show eventually who literally was, was called into service. He used to be the, the head guy for the Alabama National Guard in terms of crisis management and being responsive for natural disasters. And they brought him in to run a war room. And what I didn't know was that was even happening. I had been advocating, uh, just, just kind of like screaming into the wind, but I had been advocating, why don't we have a war room? Why isn't there a place where there's like, you know, whiteboards everywhere and people on computers that are syncing up all the different state departments and making this effective? And lo and behold, there was an attempt to do that, 
And my friend, uh, and I, I won't call his name just yet, but the bottom line was my friend was in there heading it up, and at every single turn, they rejected his advice on how to synchronize state government to bring this to bear. And um, I do think it was abysmal. Uh, I think there were several things that could have been done better. You know, we're not California. We're not Michigan. We're not New York. Okay, I get it. But that's not enough to say we're just not New York. That's like we used to say, thank God for Mississippi and education. It's not enough to say there's somebody else over there. We've got to do a better job with who we are. And I totally agree with Jim McClendon is that we need to restructure uh, what's happening with our public health, especially when we've just seen what happened to the crisis and the pandemic. Dale Jackson, you're up, bud. Yeah, I think you're right. And the real question is, who's going to do it and who has the energy and the will uh, to do it? They talked about this and they talked about public health and they talked about uh, all sorts of different votes, uh, either reigning in power or taking power from the governor. And when time came to it, they were just like, eh, never mind. And so the legislature didn't really seem to have the appetite to do this. And um, it doesn't really strike me as the health department's going to reorganize itself, does it? No, not not at all. And when you consider that the Medical Association of Alabama is the one who gets to appoint their own person to be the the head of um, of, of of that, uh, no, the chief legal the chief medical advisor to the governor comes from Massa, and and there needs to be some kind of accountability. There's no accountability in the legislature to be able to draw that person in and 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 confirm them or to hold them to account for poor decision making. And uh, yep, I think that's got to happen. Sure. Uh, all right, Dale, you got a question for the group? All right, my question is about the governor's race. You got Jim Ziegler out there saying all sorts of nutty stuff, looking for all sorts of attention. Uh, you have uh, Stacy George, uh, a Morgan County commissioner, former Morgan County commissioner, talking about getting in the race as well. Here's the question. Is there a reason for anyone to even consider running against KIV at this point? Wow, you go, Jeff. Well, I, I, I think there are lots of reasons, but there's one compelling reason not to. Who can afford it? That's the problem. Governor Ivey's going to be very well-funded in this campaign. And although I think she's vulnerable, uh, it's going to take a lot of resources to counter that. And no one wants to get on the bad side of the business community. We're, we're back to this kind of place we were in the 1950s with the mules and the plan- big mules and the planters in this state. And they seem to have cast their lot with Governor Ivey. And that makes it very, very difficult to run against Governor Ivy where she's sitting today. So, no, I, I, I think it could be done, but at what price? Wouldn't you be better off just waiting four years? That's the Ainsworth strategy. Don't lose your place in line. Don't get engaged and wrapped up in a very, very expensive race. And it's sad that our politics is that way, but that seems to be what's at play going on right now. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. Jeff's got that right. Uh, I think that it's just one other thing besides money, and that's going to be name ID. You're going to have to have somebody who comes in that has some, you know, individual chutzpah, who has some kind of, you know, name to his or herself that that people can identify with. And and I, I think I told you guys once before, and and I'm not at liberty to talk about it, but I've had some deliberate conversations with someone who's a former Alabama football star, who I think if 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 he got in the race. Just the fact that he was in the race with the notoriety he brings and the personal wherewithal he brings to, to finance his own race if he wanted to, it would be a game changer. And, 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 and he could hold Governor Ivey accountable for things like you know, gas tax and pandemic response and other things like that. Has she done some things right? Certainly, she has. And I'll, I'll tell her when she does things right. Um, I served with her for a number of years while she was lieutenant governor. But all said and done, I think that uh, she is certainly challengeable 
but it's going to have to be a combination of solid name ID, someone who has some backbone and is not worried about those um, you know, business interests that, that, that Jeff just mentioned, and they can also bring their own money. Dale. Yeah, I, I think you might be right, um, but is that guy going to pop out and decide to run, or are we just going to talk about this secret Alabama football player? That's the real question. <laughs> I, and I, think, I think no one's going to jump in there. Well, that that may be likely. It, uh, I don't know. It, it we'll we'll see. But uh, Copper, uh, go ahead and queue up I that. I tell you what, you, gonna, you raise an ahead. interesting point about the uh, name ID question. That and, and um, Will Ainsworth ran in twenty eighteen for lieutenant governor, and and he spent an entire year campaigning, and after a year, his name ID is only at eleven percent. That look at the struggles Bradley Byrd had in twenty eighteen. Uh, I mean, in twenty twenty getting beyond the 1st Congressional District. Look at Congressman Brooks when he ran in 17, getting south of the Tennessee River. It's it's that name ID really dominates the politics, and if you already have that built in like a Tommy Tuberville, you probably could cruise the victory. Uh, I totally agree. That That's why I think name ID equals dollars right now. Um, and, 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 you know, it's early. There's still plenty of time somebody wants to get in. Uh, I do believe that a good challenge is, is necessary to make sure that good government takes place because then, you know, they have to actually campaign and run on their record. Right now, they can just run on being there. Um, but anyway, listen, we're going to come back right after this short break. Uh, I got the grand counsel here, uh, the Dale Jackson and the Jeff Poor. Jeff Poor with 1065 uh, Talk Down on the Coast and Dale Jackson here with also with WVNN. We'll be right back after this on Right Side Radio, where we are solid, conservative, and just plain right. AM 92.5 FM News Talk WVNN. Phil Williams here hosting Right Side Radio. Proud to have some friends with me on the air. Real quick though before I do that, I got to tell you over and over again about Otter Creek Farm. Folks, I was just out there the other day. I took Charlene out there for dinner. One of the best kept secrets in North Alabama. And, and literally Donald Trump Jr. stayed there not long ago. They've been in Garden and Gun magazine. I think they were just an Alabama venue magazine. And all said and done, it's a wing shooting destination, a place for corporate retreats, for weddings, for special events, luxuriously appointed guest rooms, beautifully manicured grounds. It, their culinary team is like, wow. All said and done, go to ottercreekfarmstead.com. You'll be amazed at the opportunities that exist right here in the northern part of the state. Hey, I am proud to be convening the Grand Council right now. Uh, got some guys on here that I look up to and appreciate. I've been on the air with them a number of times. Uh, we got uh, Dale Jackson, who also hosts uh, here on WVNN. He's our program director. Uh, he's on the air with us, as long as Jeff Poor, who used to be here, but now he's with FM Talk 1065 down on the coast. We are doing the Grand Council, pinging each other with questions. Uh, so, fellas, I'm going to take you east of the border on my next question. In the four or five minutes we got left, we'll see if we can get to another one after this. But for east of the border right now, Raphael Warnock, who to me is like a cartoon in the terms of a state senator. But, but Raphael Warnock right now, we're hearing that his challenger could be none other than Herschel Walker. I'm looking at Heisman Trophy winner. He's got the whole Georgia Bulldog connection, on top of which, you know, Raphael Warnock dissed the Atlanta Braves recently. What do you think? Herschel Walker, U.S. Senate to switch the balance of power? 
Jeff, I think there's think? a real chance he could be a player. Yeah, I, I think that that is uh, someone that is – look, I think Warnock's screwed anyway, personally, whoever they put up there. Um, but, yeah, Herschel Walker with Trump's endorsement I think could be a player. It would be interesting to see who else jumps in. Oh, it'd be awesome. Jeff, what do you think, man? I, I, you know, it's the same thing going on in Alabama, I suppose. The, the, the celebrity candidate can do well. It, it, it makes me wonder, though, structurally, what is going on in Georgia, guys? Because uh, Georgia's not supposed to be a blue state. And, look, I, I know about all the, the uh, allegations of election rigging and everything. But uh, the, the way some of those counties in Georgia, outside of Fulton County, that, that are blue now, like Gwinnett County, Cobb County, uh, they, they used to be solidly Republican. And, and I think that needing to go to somebody like a Herschel Walker, who's a celebrity, or a Republican party to have to do that, it, it, it reeks a little of desperation to me. Well, desperation maybe, but yeah. I don't think they have to yeah. do it. I don't, I don't think they have to. I think he wants to do it. Trump wants him to do it because Trump knows him. Uh, I don't think I, – I think the people in, in Georgia would probably rather not go this way. Well, What, we'll what qualifies him to be a United States senator? Nothing. Uh, same thing as a qualified Tommy Tupperville. There you go. There you go. I, I, I would say the same thing. Well, I, I would argue, though, uh, Tupperville at least uh, managed a football program and funding, and, and I don't know, was it a managerial role? Uh, uh, Herschel Walker, fine gentleman, and probably right about a lot of things, but I, I just I don't know you can even make that comparison. Well, we know he can stiff arm pretty good, and uh, I'd love to see him just run over Raphael Warnock at the very least. But, uh, hey, lightning round. we got about a minute left. Dale, throw a question. What do we got? All right, if we're talking Senate races, uh, Democrats in Alabama, who they got? Anyone? They got nobody. Okay. <laughs> they easy. got nobody. Stephen Reed. I think that's true. I think Stephen Reed or Chris England. That's, I think that's our two big choices. And, and, and you know, uh, we've also got some folks just right here in the Huntsville area, but – Randall Woodfin, watch out. Just remember, Stephen Reed made a big, big play very beginning of his mayoral uh, uh, candidacy, or of his mayorship. Well, hey, Jeff Poor, Dale Jackson, Phil Williams at the Grand Council. Hey, I appreciate you guys being on the show, man. Love you both, and uh, thank you for what you do. Um, 429 right now on 770 AM, 92.5 FM, WVNN. Phil Williams, host of Right Side Radio. We're going to unpack some more stuff that you're going to want to hear about right after this. is News Talk 770 AM, 92.5 FM, WVNN.